This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Jim Lang, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, friend of the show, trainer Kevin Attar joins us today, and with the Breeders' Cup fast approaching, the current story is out of the decision being made recently where this year's Queen's Plate winner, Moira, will be entered into the November 5th Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf at Keeneland and will also be piloted by legendary jockey Frankie DeTore. If you recall, Moira's most recent start was an eventful trip at the E.P. Taylor Stakes at Woodbine, a race that saw Moira finish second but was disqualified and placed eighth for causing interference, but it did prove that the filly could handle turf for the first time. It's a big investment by the owners of Moira to enter this stakes-winning filly in the Breeders' Cup, and shortly we will speak with Kevin and talk about the decision to send Moira to Keeneland and also in securing famed jockey Frankie DeTore. Also, Moira seems to be a popular name on today's show. As friend of the show, the Hamiltonian Society's Chief Operating Officer, Moira Fanning will join us as Society's Breeders' Crown Championship Finals will be front and center at Woodbine Mohawk Park next weekend with two nights next Friday and Saturday of world-class harness racing. The Breeders' Crown is usually a good barometer of the year-end award winners, including Horse of the Year honors in North America and shortly we will speak with Moira and have her break down what we could look forward to next Friday and Saturday night at Woodby Mohawk Park and what could be a great night of racing, two nights of racing. In addition, friend of the show, Tony O'Sullivan, is also part of today's show, and Tony is a racing secretary at Woodby Mohawk Park. And all year we've been talking about the great harness racing cards at Mohawk. Well, Tony is a person responsible for putting together these super cards, and shortly we will hear from Tony and find out how he has settled into his new role at the Woodby Mohawk Park as racing secretary. And finally, while he's back, co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and some other North American tracks that are racing today with their ponies picks today, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. So you better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. This is Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government, and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. 
Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, Larry Simpson. Larry, how are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? Very good, very good. Uh, it's a bit of a somber week for horse racing fans with the news about Gail Tiller. Yes, uh, Gail Tiller, uh, wife of friend of the show, Bob Tiller, unfortunately passed away this uh, past week. And uh, for anybody that knew Gail, like I knew Gail, she was just a really charming person. Uh, she was the, um, um, a daughter of uh, Larry Moorhead, who was a trainer back in the days of Greenwood and that. And uh, yeah, Gail uh, um, and uh, and I always used to converse at, at, at the track and... and uh, she uh, she was kind of the um, the I'm gonna say the uh, PR person for <laughs> yeah, for yeah, Bob yeah and uh, that's a good way to put it yeah, yeah yeah she was and and she was very hands on and very and and helped uh, you know Bob with the with his stable and that so it's uh, you know very uh, very sad yeah it is um, we have lots about the Breeders' Crown coming up later on in the show but we're counting down the days now. To Friday, November 4th, the first of two days for the Super Bowl slash Stanley Cup slash, Stanley Cup slash World Cup of horse racing, the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland, uh, kicking off for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Uh, two amazing days. Uh, so much money on the line. And the purses, um, the races, the coverage, including the Breeders' Cup turf at uh, uh, $4 million. And then the big kahuna, the Breeders' Cup Classic at $6 million to cap it off on the Saturday, Larry. Uh, yeah, and you basically just might as well get your uh, easy chair and sit down and watch the races because they go to about, I, I believe the, uh, the the classic is like a 7 o'clock post or an 8 o'clock post that night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it says 540, yeah. um, but I mean, the problem is you're dependent upon the races before you. So yeah. this is all tentative times. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's so much talent in these races, and it doesn't matter whether it's the juvenile fillies or the... Uh, juvenile turf or the Philly and Mare Sprint or whatever it is, each race is packed with all-star talent. Well, it's like you just mentioned. It's like the World Series. Yeah. Uh, you've got races, uh, uh, basically stakes race after stakes race after stakes race with your best jockeys and, and the best horses. And, you know, some of the horses have been uh, pre-nominated and, and entered, uh, you know, because they want a uh, Breeders' Cup win in your uh, in race and that. And other others have uh, owners have paid the ante up to uh, put these horses in there. So, uh, and it's two days, right? It's just two days of glorious racing. <laughs> and, and as we get closer to the big the big event, the two day event, we'll uh, Larry, we'll have more insight from you about what it's actually like to be at a Breeders' Cup. For listeners who don't know mm -hmm. how special it is, and and I mean, we're just so used to, 
you know, a claimer race, this race, then yeah. there's the stakes race. But to have every race be so much money, yeah. it makes it different. Well, it's it's, it's just a huge event. And yeah. uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, go to two or three uh, uh, Breeders' Cups in, in the past. Oh, and, have you? Yeah. Well, that's a fantastic. Yeah, and, and uh, it uh, it's just something else. If you're a racing fan, I think there's... Two thing a thoroughbred racing fan. There's two things you want to go to. You want to see the Kentucky Derby, and you want to go to a Breeders' Cup race. Well, this is a real treat. We're pleased once again to be joined by friend of the show, Woodbine trainer Kevin Attard, joining us today to talk about the recent announcement that the amazing Moira will be going to the Breeders' Cup on Saturday, November 5th, to take part in the Philly and Mare Turf worth two million dollars. As always, Kevin, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Um, um, when you talk about Moira and heading to the Breeders' Cup, I mean, it's been an incredible year. For people who don't understand, what is making this horse so special for you as a trainer? Um, obviously, you know, she's had a, a great run so far. Um, a three-year-old filly that tackled the boys in Canada's most prestigious race uh, was a winner in dominant fashion. Uh, under track record time, right? So I think uh, uh, anybody that witnessed that day uh, in person could kind of tell uh, that that was a special horse and something special was happening right in front of their eyes. Um, you know, so she came back and, and obviously had a big acid test in the EP Taylor and, um, you know, a lot of new challenges facing seasoned older fillies for the first time, uh, trying a surface, a uh, new surface for the first time in the grass and, uh, and although she didn't win and she was disqualified in that race, uh, you know, she ran a tremendous race and, and I think proved uh, that she's uh, a filly that belongs against uh, elite company and uh, deserves a chance in the Breeders' Cup. And if anything, Kevin, the E.P. Taylor did prove one thing, that Moira can handle the grass, correct? Yeah, most definitely. She uh, she handled that surface really well. Um Unless she was bred to uh, bred to kind of run on turf, uh, but until you try, you're not sure. And obviously, you know, at, to this point of her career, she had kind of only run exclusively on synthetic, so it, it was uh, an unknown. And uh, it definitely uh, was nice to see that uh, uh, she has a fondness for it. And what's the story behind being able to land legendary jockey Frankie Dettori? Was it your charm and wit and success? <laughs> was it Moira? Was it all the above? <laughs> I would like to take a little credit for my charm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to have to give credit there uh, to Donato Lanny. Uh, he kind of orchestrated that. Uh, we kind of discussed uh, possible riders, and, um, you know, his name was obviously mentioned. Obviously, his name speaks for itself. He's such a, a fabulous rider, uh, especially when you're kind of, you know, dealing with t- uh, turf racing. Uh, it's hard to get any better. Um, so, uh, obviously, uh, that and the fact that, I mean, we had to present which horses he was going to be riding. And uh, it's just nice to kind of uh, see a jockey of his caliber uh, give a filly like her a vote of confidence. So what would it mean to to yourself and the owners of Moira should she win the uh, a Breeders' Cup event? Like, obviously, that increases her value as a broodmare as well, correct? Oh yeah, it would do obviously tremendous, uh, you know, I mean, uh, things for her, her value as a broodmare. But, uh, you know, I mean, for me personally, um, obviously the fact, uh, the Breeders' Cup is the Super Bowl of racing. Uh, it's kind of where the world meets on one, on the, on the same stage. 
and uh, and competes for uh, uh, I mean, who's the best, right? So uh, if uh, we are fortunate enough to win uh, a race like that, um, you know, I mean, it that would be a lifelong dream, something you know, I mean, I, I've you know thought of, but haven't really uh, I mean pondered too much because it's it's such a hard, uh, you know, I mean, it's so hard to get to that uh, that that day. Uh, in the spotlight on on that stage, uh, where kind of best meets the best. Speaking with longtime Woodbine trainer Kevin Attard and Kevin, you might be a little biased, but I mean, uh, would Moira get your vote for Horse of the Year in twenty twenty two? Yeah, no doubt I'm biased, but I think at this point of the game, uh, she definitely deserves to be. Um, obviously, you know, I mean, she's a, a Canadian Oaks Queen's Plate winner. Um, you know, unfortunately. Uh, uh, a tough trip in the EP Taylor Grade One, but uh, three-year-old filly kind of tackling older horses. She she proved, uh, you know, I mean, she was, uh, um, I mean, she belonged there, and um, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, uh, a good placing in the Breeders' Cup will just kind of solidify that. But uh, to this point, I think uh, she still, regardless of what happens, uh, uh, deserves to be crowned Horse of the Year. Was it a tough decision still though for you and 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 the ownership group to to send her when she didn't actually win or uh, the uh, EP Taylor um you know the EP Taylor was for us to kind of gauge where she was at this point of her career right she's a three-year-old filly mm-hmm. she's not as seasoned as a lot of those older fillies uh, that you're facing in uh, in a race like the EP Taylor um so you know I mean uh, we obviously weren't anticipating um, her kind of, I mean, getting her number taken down in the race, but uh, you know, we take that kind of part of the equation out. Um, you know, she, she had a tough trip herself. Uh, she had to wait for room, the stalled in traffic in the sense. And, um, you know, I mean, when, when she did find room, she kind of accelerated to the lead and, and was caught by a group one winner, um, that had one, you know, I mean, had previous, uh, uh, experience in, 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 in Europe and, and now in the care of Chad Brown running in North America. So, um, you know, I mean, there's no disgrace in her kind of running second to that Philly Berger as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that race just kind of said that we belong. And, uh, at this point of the game now, it's just whether, uh, she's come out of the race in good order, how she trains from now to then. And uh, if if she's ready to go, then uh, hopefully we get selected to to be in the race, and uh, and uh, we'll be there. I know a lot of people, Kevin, are so excited about Moira and what she'll do at the Breeders' Cup. So, what would be the plan for how many days prior to the race would you want to ship her there and get her acclimatized to her new environment? So the plan right now is um, we're going to uh, probably leave. Uh, Canada here on October 31st. Hmm. Um, she's going to have a couple works, one tomorrow, and then if all goes well, the following Saturday. And uh, assuming you know she comes out of those works in good order and and she's ready to kind of move forward, then uh, we would put her on a van on the 31st. Uh, she'd be in Kentucky later that day and uh, have that kind of uh, that week to, to kind of prepare and. Uh, Final, uh, just final tune tune up uh, over the track there, and get accustomed to the paddock and things like that. And Moira is going to have some company, right? Uh, you've also got the Philly Last Call going to the uh, Breeders' Cup. 
Yeah, so last call won the uh, Natama, which was a win in your end, so she's got an automatic uh, free berth into the race. Uh, so we're excited with her. I, you know, she's a young filly that's uh, improved uh, a lot uh, from her first start, and I think she's continuing to improve. She actually had a work this morning that I was very pleased with. Uh, went five eight and fifty nine and two worked mm-hmm. really well. Um, we set the work up for her to kind of track a couple horses, and it just you know what I mean it went perfectly. And uh, just very excited with her. I think um, you know she's an improving filly, probably flying a little bit under the radar. And um, you know what I mean obviously she's got the services of uh, Frankie Dettori as well. Uh, so you know what I mean uh, with maybe a little lady luck on our side, who knows. And Kevin, when you're having your morning coffee, did this ever hit you? Like, my goodness, I have two horses in the Breeders' Cup. No, Don, I'm excited. Uh, at this point, though, I'm still just kind of focusing on uh, trying to get these horses as best prepared as I can. Um, you know what I mean? This is why I do what I do kind of seven days a week, getting up at, uh, you know what I mean, uh, 3.30 every morning, to kind of get ready to kind of come to work, right? So, um, you know, I put a lot of hard work, the people behind me that work with me, they put a lot of hard work in every day. And, uh, you know, this is, these are the goals that we want to achieve and, uh, you know, the stage we want to be on obviously, and, uh, just feel very fortunate right now to have two good horses going there. And, uh, uh, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done between now and then. You've had a lot of good horses that you've trained, Kevin. Would you say that of all of them, Moira is the real deal? She's been the best so far she's getting there you know i, I don't want to take anything away from starship jubilee no. right now um you know very special philly grade one multiple grade one winner she also beat the boys in the woodbine mile mm-hmm. um but i i do think in the end of the day uh moira has the uh potential to be better than her and and definitely take that honor of uh being the best horse i've trained in my career how difficult is it, Kevin, as a trainer? You spend all this time, but then it's in the hands of the horse and the jockey. I mean, I f- it must be like a parent watching their kid play sports. <laughs> no doubt. You know, there's uh, a lot of nerves, a lot of butterflies, obviously, as they go into the gate. And, uh, you know, I mean, racing, uh, sometimes not, the, not you know, the best horse doesn't necessarily win sometimes, right? So you do need a lot of racing luck. Um you know, a lot can happen. Horses get trapped or boxed in, and, uh, you know, the room doesn't kind of open or the trip doesn't go as planned, right? So, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I can I do my part to the best of my ability. Uh, you know, we try to get the best jockeys on their backs uh, so they can do, uh, you know, I mean, the best work that uh, they, they do. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, you've got the best horse, the best jock on that day, and uh, some lady luck, like I said, and kind of the stars align. So it's maybe kind of premature to ask you this, Kevin, but will we see Moira next year? Uh, as far as I know, the plan is for her to be out here again next year. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, I, I don't see uh, uh, at this point, I, I, you know, I, I believe uh, there is a, a 2023 campaign kind of uh, in, in the horizon for her. Oh, good. Kevin, all the best. There's a lot of fans around here and listening to us right now or all across Canada cheering for you and Moira at the Breeders' Cup. I okay, look forward to it, and we'll talk more down the road, my friend. Thank you very much. Appreciate everybody's support and uh, cheering us on at the Breeders' Cup. Thank you again, guys.
You got it. We'll talk soon. When we come back, friend of the show, speaking to Moira, Moira Fanning will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Costa, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. Costa, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the Costa website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds. One vision. This is 1059 The Region. Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. All right, welcome back to Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, Moira Fanning, joining us again today. Next Friday and Saturday evening, sees Woodbine Mohawk Park hosting. The year-end championships, the much-anticipated Breeders' Crown, which features the best of the best from a harness racing standpoint. Moira, the CEO of the Hamiltonian Society, breaking down the significance of the Breeders' Crown and what to expect next Friday and Saturday. Woodbine Mohawk Park, as always, Moira, for Larry and I and the listeners, this is a real treat. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it is. I mean, we have seen some outstanding standard bred horses this year. It's shaping up to be a fantastic breeder's crown. What's what's been your take on what's gone on the last year in standard bred racing in North America? Well, one, it's we were here at Woodbine last in 2019, not knowing that we are on the verge of a global pandemic and that our world was going to change. So we went out on a very high note here at Woodbine Mohawk Park, raised the bar for the event, and had some tremendous performances. So we're really looking forward to coming back, not just coming back, but coming back at full strength with fans and horses and people. It's really, um, it's really wonderful to be back here. Talk about the uh, the Breeders' Crown, Moira, and, and what's the special significance of what it means to the standard industry? Well, this is the 38th year, and it's if you think about all the things that have come and gone in the last 40 years, 
We've lost racetracks. We've gained racetracks. We've gained racinos. We've had major breeding farms close. We've had new people come in. It's been, we've lost some great races. We've created some new races uh, in the sport. But the consistency of the Breeders' Crown um, starting in 1984, year-end championship series, for it to be continuing, um, it's really a tribute to the the people who created it and have carried it forward for 38 years. There's not a lot of, um, you know, things you can point to in harness racing that uh, that are still going as strong 40 years later. And it's a, a real tribute to the program that people want to uh, compete in it. I think what's wonderful about it is, especially for this year in 2022, Larry and I have talked about it a lot. There is some real star power going into this year's event, whether it's driver James McDonald, the amazing Bulldog Hanover. It's not easy to pick winners in these races when you think about the talent involved. It's not. And Bulldog Hanover, of course, has just been a complete superstar, a wonderful asset to the sport. There is a, you know, actually re- renewed interest in watching him because he was defeated by Alleywag Hanover at Lexington. Now, in his defeat, he still paced in 46 and a piece. So, um, we just watched him qualify here at Woodbine in 51, very strong, open lengths. So, I. I think people are going to tune in to see, was that a one-time weakness, you know, but the other horses in the race too, you know, once you're, once he's beat, they, they're going to take a shot and it's not going to be a walkover for him. None of the races are, these are, you know, the last couple of chances to make big money for the drivers, trainers, horses, and owners. And uh, I agree, it's very hard to handicate. Let's leave Bulldog out. But the rest of the race is very competitive. Two-year-old eliminations tonight, three and up tomorrow. Open trot, mare trot, uh, and go, open pace going straight to the finals. I think three Philly paces, too. So so we've got a week of buildup uh, to try to puzzle out these races and performances. Okay, I've asked you this in the past, Moira, but maybe for our listeners, talk about some of the most memorable races that you witnessed at Breeders' Crown events. Well, again, it's really gratifying to see how much importance people place in winning a crown or even participating in a crown. Um, and so we try to make that experience really special. And I, I, I have to go to the default some beach somewhere just to watch him. Horses like Matt Scooter and, and horses of that caliber. Um, even in loss, horses like Moneymaker. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it, just the scene that they set and, uh, Manchego most recently has been a tremendous, uh, mare to watch. Um, so it's, it's, I think, well, let me see, 38 years, 12, uh, divisions every year. I could go down a long list. We have Macro Bell, we have Peace Corps, you know, Pompano in the early years, but, I have to say Canada has been a tremendous partner from Greenwood to Woodbine to Mohawk to Blue Bonnets. We've had a, at least one race at, at every location. And, uh, again, it's truly a, a North American event as far as participa- participation is concerned. And it's funny you mention Canada, Moira, because we've had those conversations with trainers and jockeys or drivers uh, here that there is that really feeling they it's nice to get that respect from the Meadowlands, from the American standardbred industry, and to see that respect given to the Canadian drivers and horses. 
Well, I don't think it's given. I think it's earned, and I think it's rightfully earned. And there's a lot of tremendous horsemen and horses that came out of Canada, made their home in, in the U.S., like the John Campbells or Ray Remins. And, uh, you know, the I, I think it's a, a two-way street there for sure. Um, this uh, the, the horses and the horsemen, uh, and it's good to see the Canadian breeding industry coming back as well. Um, it's, it's, we need health in all those factions on both sides of the border for, for a good, good harness racing world. Well said. Larry? Talk about your role with the uh, Hamiltonian Society, Mara. Well, I started, um, back in the late eighties as a PR assistant and television assistant and, um, for someone who was a caretaker and a, and a groom and loved working at the race tra- tracks, it was a dream job. It is a dream job. You get to see the best horses, best drivers, best trainers, and deal with people at their happiest when they're winning races. What's not to like about that? <laughs> so at, <laughs> at this point, I, uh, my title is COO, which really should be just chief cook and bottle washer because it involves doing a little bit of of everything. I have a great board of directors that um, is really invested in seeing the races that they administer and own, the Hamiltonian, the Breeders' Crown. I think there's another 30 stakes that we own and a hundred and some that we administer. Uh, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everything and uh, focusing on the big events that we have is really the, the fun time of year. What is it that still makes you so excited, so passionate, so uh, driven to be great in what you do after all these years? Well, I'm, I'm not sure about that definition, but, <laughs> you know, I, I've always liked horses. Okay, that doesn't make me special. I've always loved horse racing, and I still feel the same way um, that I did when I first was exposed to standard red racing. I think I was 17 years old. Um, today, or when I was watching Bulldog and Nikki Hill out on the track, but or any horse, I like racing. I like the competition of it. Um, love the athletes, of course, but um, it's really just a, a special sport to me. And I'm not a better, but I would watch races all night and all day. I, I like horse racing. Larry, okay, and I guess maybe also for our listeners, you can talk about how the. Breeders' Crown rotates between basically what three racetracks now on a yearly basis. Yes, well, that was um, you know we in 1984 they sort of borrowed from the NCAA format where they traveled around to eight different tracks, twelve different tracks, and that was when there was um, viable racetracks, state calendars at every race. Uh, every track, Grand Circuit, you know, trail you could follow. So sad that we've lost, um, you know, the Pompano Parks, the Rosecroft Raceway, which is going to close Greenwood, which I mentioned, Blue Bonnets. But the strength has been concentrated in um, Hoosier Park and um, Mohegan Sun Pocono, a great partner for three years, the Meadowlands and uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park. That's awesome. Uh, Moira, thank you so much for joining us. It, it's a great pleasure as always. We're so much looking forward to next week's races. Uh, all the best, and we'll look forward to talking down the road. And thank you for what you do. Okay, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. After the break, well, before, okay. we, before we get that, thank you very much, Moira. Uh, Larry, um, uh, before we get to our uh, little break here, I just want to talk about the Breeders' Crown. It is amazing that 
you know, with all the changes, and she just touched on it, that we, we've lost Pompano and Blue Bonnet, but the, the strength, I don't think we talk enough about the anchor that Woodbine Mohawk is. I mean, it has really been a foundation, along with the Meadowlands and Hoosier Park, to keeping Standard Bread thriving in North America still. Yes, yes, and and actually Pompano, we just lost it uh, in April. They closed for yeah. and it was a staple in, in Florida racing and harness racing, and, and uh, I've I went to Pompano since I was going to college. You know, you'd go there for winter break, you know, that if you're yeah. looking for something to do in that. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing that this the Breeders' Crown has been able to be conducted for so long and that they've been able to, you know, come up with uh, a, you know, a, a, a partners, I guess you would call them, that are very supportive and, and uh, really put on a good show. I'd like to add, too, uh, our upcoming uh, Ponies 27 uh, magazine, mm. which will be out uh, next week. Oh, nice. Uh, there's an extensive interview with Moira Fanning, so people can, uh, you know, if they want to get a copy of that, go to uh, uh, the Ponies 247 experience at gmail.com, and uh, we'll send you the link. And think about the Breeders' Crown. Friday, $2.4 million. Saturday, $4.5 million. U.S. Mm-hmm. That's huge money. It is, and uh, it, it also, you know, it uh, establishes a lot of these horses uh, in the, for their futures as, as stallions. Uh, the owners, they invest more money into the business, so it just it's the churn that uh, just basically helps everybody. And I don't think we can talk enough about Bulldog Hanover, and I think for a lot of American harness racing fans who maybe are not aware, mm-hmm. when they see Bulldog Hanover on that Breeders' Crown stage, they're going to be, who who is this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it used to be that the, and it still is to a certain extent that the three year old division, the three year old trotters, and three year old pacers, they were the glory divisions because yeah. you know you have the Hamiltonian on the uh, on the trotting side, and you have the uh, uh, the uh, North America Cup and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, the Meadowlands Pace on the uh, pacing side, and some other races thrown in as well. But this year it seems that it's the age division of with the uh, four year olds and up. Uh, because of the uh, exploits of uh, Bulldog Hanover. And, and will be interesting to see the handle, too, because of the, not just the races, but because of the love of Bulldog Hanover. We'll look forward to that. That'll be very interesting. After the break, when we come back, Woodbine Mohawk Park, speaking of which, Tony O'Sullivan will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com slash horse dash ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. 
COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Nice. Let's welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, Tony O'Sullivan, Racing Secretary at Woodbine Mohawk Park, joins us today. And with Woodbine Mohawk Park in the midst of a tremendous year-long race meet, it is Tony. He's been responsible for putting the competitive races together. Tony, welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for a fantastic year. Yeah, glad to be here, Jim. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure. Let's get right to it. Um, when you started this 2022 season and meet, I mean, I'm sure you had expectations, but from Larry and I's standpoint, Woodbine Mohawk Park has exceeded it. When did you realize it was going to be a special year, Tony? Um, you know, you, you, you really don't, you, you look at the numbers and, and the wagering has been fantastic, especially on the big nights. Um, and you know, we've been able to come up with, I think, very good undercards for the grand circuit races and the super final races. So, um, you just kind of get into the groove of doing things and, and every week we try to do the best we can. And obviously on the big nights, we we're helped with having the best horses on the continent race, which, which helps. And then to put an undercard together. Um, to kind of match that and, and uh, parlay off it is it's a challenge, but uh, things have gone well, and fingers crossed we get through the next two weekends, and, and it's been a very good year. Hmm. Larry? When we had you on the show last, uh, Tony, you had just taken over the role as racing secretary from Scott McKelvey, who'd been basically there forever, you could say. You know, <laughs> days of Greenwood yeah. and that. Wait a second, don't make Scott too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> So do you feel that uh, you've kind of settled into the job now or is it still a, a, a work in progress? Um, I think everything's always a work in progress, right? We can always improve on on every aspect of life and jobs and, and careers, et cetera. Um, but I, I feel I've settled in. Um, I, I'm not overwhelmed by the, the big races at all. I, I don't know if that's maybe because as a trainer I'd raced in quite a few of them and and obviously there's the pressure on that side and maybe I know how to deal with it. Uh, the, the racing team at Mohawk is really good. The race office staff that I, I have working with me is fantastic. Um, it, it's challenging. Uh, don't want to sound like a broken record, but the horse supply is an issue just on the general uh, horse population and, and, and that is a challenge every week. But uh, I think we've come up with some new ideas, some good ideas, and, and we've weathered the storm as best we could. And and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it and, and I feel I've settled in pretty well, pretty quickly. Yeah, Tony, the last time you were on, we had some listeners that reached out to us and wanted to ask you this. I'll pass it along. They're, they're curious, how far ahead of time do you start setting up the horses for a respective race on a respective day? Is it two weeks, a month, two months? How does that process work for you? Um, really? I mean, obviously the, the, the stake schedule is set, uh, that'll be set probably here in the next four to six weeks for, for next year. Um, for the Mohawk Grand Circuit Stakes, and then we work with the Ontario Osiris Stakes, and 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 they uh, you know fit their races in around hours type of thing. So that'll be done in the next month to six weeks. Um, in terms of the overnight races, it's 
it's you know the condition sheets put out um, a week before, eight days before. Um, but you just learn to know the the population you have, and and everything's recorded. The numbers of entries I get for each condition race or each claimer, um, I know exactly what I get each week, and and you try to just work out ways maybe you can boost that up a little bit. Um, the the pop up series is something that I spend a bit more time on. I'm you know thinking about that a month to six weeks out of what potentially will we need at a certain time after certain stake races. For for example, after the Breeders' Crown, what will we need to to get us through to the end of the year and and keep the field size good. So, um, not not two months out or anything like that, but uh, just having your finger on the pulse and seeing the horses come in every week and you learn the population and and you just kind of try and tailor made the the condition sheet and the classes as best you can to what you've got to deal with. Hmm. You alluded to the uh, the pop up series, which basically that was. Uh basically a product that you came up with to uh, help with the horse shortage, correct? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was for. Um, it was to try and, and draw horses into to Mohawk that maybe otherwise wouldn't um, come on the, the current condition system um, and and to keep the same caliber of horses, whether it be a lifetime earning or a yearly earning uh, or a claiming price, to keep them all together so that they know when they come. They We've done as best as we can to make it a a level playing field and, and uh, you know, get try and promote more horses to, to make money is, is what it's for. I know Larry and I both mentioned this, Tony, that we think it's an advantage that you're a former trainer. How do you use your experience as a former trainer to help you as this racing secretary now? Well, I, I, I do think it's an advantage um, from my perspective point of view. Uh, obviously, there's, there's rules to follow, um, through the AGCO and, and certain uh, conditions we can put on the sheet, et cetera. But um, I, I'd like to think that just by me having first-hand knowledge of, of what it's like to train horses, <clears throat> I've trained every caliber of horse. I was lucky enough to, to train a lot of very, very good horses, and um, that, that makes that side of it easy. But just knowing what the trainers go, to, go through on the daily basis to get the horses to the races and, and the struggle that's real for a lot of them and you know that certain horses, just because they go fast, it doesn't mean that they should take a, a double class jump um, because they want to race and against cheaper competition. So I, I do think it helps. I mean, it's still difficult. It's not a straight line, um, rules to be adhered to. But I do think there is an advantage, and I'd like to think that, that my experience on the other side has probably helped um, the horsemen feel comfortable too, that I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing so to speak, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get involved and in, uh, get this interest in, in uh, harness racing, Tony? Uh, my my father was a, he was actually a radio host and a uh, race announcer when I was a, a kid in New Zealand. Um, he's worked television, uh, radio, obviously he was, a, he was a DJ for 35 years. And uh, so I would go to the races with dad and, and to be perfectly honest, when I left school, I I took a job uh, in the thoroughbred um, training stable just to make some money before I put myself through college or university. And, and as they say, to be cliche, it's the rest is history. I went to New Jersey in 1996 with no plan, just a 19-year-old freewheeling it through life. And um, you know, 26 years later, here we are. I got to ask before we continue on too too much. I mean, New Zealand 
1996 to New Jersey. I mean, that's like going to a different planet. How long did it take you to adjust to life in New Jersey at that point in your life? Well, it it certainly was. I mean, God Almighty. It, I mean, I grew up in a, a town of or a city of 70 or 80,000 people and um, wonderful place to grow up, but certainly nothing like landing at Newark Airport and looking over <laughs> and, and seeing uh, at that time the Twin Towers and um, the Statue of Liberty and, and uh, stuff like that. So huge adjustment. Um, the thing was, I was 19 and, you know, as you guys know, and remember when you're young, you you just roll, right? You just do what you do and you take it in stride and you adapt. It's, you don't have any expectation. You've got no worldly experience. So you literally take what's thrown in front of you and you do what you do. So um, it, it was a big change and, and I was homesick for a long time. Um, but it was, you know, I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat. That's great. Larry? We alluded to the fact before that you replaced uh, the icon, Scott McKelvey. Uh, did he uh, help mentor you at all? Yeah, you know, I've obviously I've known Scott for a long time. Um, I've dealt with him as a trainer and, and always had very good relationship with him. We've had countless phone calls over the years talking about racing and, and classes and, and just general general conversation. Um, I, I wasn't with Scott a long time. I, I started at Mohawk on December 1st, and he left on April 1st, effectively, the end of March. So it, it wasn't a long time to learn something that I'd never ever done before. Um, but... Again, my experience of dealing with conditioned horses and and whatever obviously helps. I know where they fit, and Scott is a is the kindest person you'd want to learn off. He he's got his quiet way of doing things, but he steers you in the right direction. So um, it was for a six month or five and a half month learning curve. It was about as good as it could be. Tony, when when you look ahead to next week in the Breeders' Crown and your work is done and the races start, are you watching it as? a racing secretary or a former trainer slash horseman? It means that, that what's going through your mind when you're seeing these amazing horses and drivers do their thing in an event like that? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question because I, I find myself during the stake season. And again, because I was lucky enough to race in a lot of those races, I, I do look at it from a, a trainer and a horseman um, because I know what they've gone through to get to where they've got. I know how difficult it is to get those horses of that caliber. Um, as a race secretary, obviously, you know, as an organization working for, for Woodbine Entertainment, you're extremely proud of what you've put on. But at the end of the day, the Breeders' Crown um, and the Grand Circuit, they're the best of the best, and those horses are, are entered where, they, where they're paid into. And, and so we draw the race and we make sure, you know, everything's above board, but we, we don't have any say who goes in there. So, um you know, you look at it differently than I do an overnight race where I'm looking to see how far is it from first to last and, you know, what's the what's the favorite ad and what's the highest price uh, horse ad and whatever. So, um, yeah, more of a trainer, horseman fan and, and uh, you know, a little bit of uh, nostalgia that uh, wasn't that long ago I was in those races. Hmm. Do you miss training at all, Tony? Yeah. Um. I do. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, d- I do miss training. I, I miss the interaction with the animal a lot. Um, I did it for, you know, effectively from 1996 until uh, end of 2021. So that's 25 years in my own stable for, for close to 16. Um, I do miss it. It's, it's in your blood, right? You, mm-hmm. you don't just walk away and never think of it again. And obviously, I'm around it every day. I see the horses. I, I talk to the trainers, 
all the time, and I've I've worked with them and raced against them uh, for the last fifteen and twenty years. So um, it, it is tough. I'm 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 not going to lie; it is tough. But this is a new direction, and and it's also enjoyable. Well, Tony, I can honestly say, but with Larry and I, you definitely have two fans, and him and I, uh, but we're big fans of what you're doing. Continue great success to the end of the year into 2023, my friend. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, Jim. Larry, thank you very much, and uh, have a good day. You too. Uh, Larry, I think we need to give a little tip of the cap to Jim Lawson and Woodbine. Um, he sort of mentioned that he had no experience in this and taking over for what you quite rightly said was a legend. Yep. And we've had him on twice now, and I can't think of a better choice. I mean, I think he's done a fabulous job. And I think really, Jim, it does help that he did have some yes. experience as a trainer. And uh, so he kind of can see it from both sides, both from an organizational side as well as a horseman's side. Uh, I was going to ask him, though, like he, he said he kind of missed training. I don't think he missed the, you know, the middle of February. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. You know, <laughs> out you on, think? Out, out, on, out on the uh, training track, oh. uh, you know, with the wind and the snow blowing. So. No, but I, I, I like the point you just raised there, Larry, that too often in life, no matter what business, people get into position, but they have no experience doing other things. So they can't, they don't understand what it's like to be a groomsman, a driver, a trainer. Yeah. With his experience being in it so long, he understands. And and I think that that's made a big difference at Woodby Mohawk Park this year. And I think probably he has a little bit more compassion for the horsemen, yeah. too, because he's lived that. And if they come in with a problem or their horse, uh, you know, miss the entry He's not just going to dismiss them. He's not just going to dismiss them. Not not saying that Scott did no, or anybody no, else. No. I just think because he has, uh, you know, lived it and, and breathed it for, you know, how long— he can kind of uh, relate, you know, to the horseman and say, yeah, okay, let's sort this thing out, right? Because so. I'm sure when, when Scott McKelvey, as you quite rightly said, one of the, you know, icons of the game walked away, people, there was probably like, okay, well, what's Tony going to be like? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, speaking of Scott, I, I knew Scott back in, in the 80s when he started at Greenwood, and I was racing horses at Greenwood. Uh, that's how old I am. And, you know. Well, you were about 11 or 12. I was, yeah, I started, yeah. I, I started when I was 10. I used to sneak in. You the know? youngest driver in the history is Denver Racing. <laughs> After the break, Larry Simpson will look at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and, of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So make sure, please, that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Racing. We will be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to ontarioracing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. 
The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market, and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Okay, before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems, as Larry gives us his much-anticipated Ponies Picks the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. He is the Josh Allen of prognosticators <laughs> when it comes to horse racing. Larry, take it away. With no interceptions. No, yeah. yeah. Unlike yeah. Some Andy Dalton <laughs> Thursday night. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's start at Woodbine. They have a 10-race card today, including the $150,000 Grade 3 Ontario Matron Stakes. But uh, Race 7, though, sees a full field of 11 fillies and mares competing at 6.5 furlongs on the Tapita surface for a purse of uh, 111400 It's an allowance race. Uh, number 8, Bakshish. Uh, made her first start of the year in the Algoma Stakes on August the 28th at Woodbine. And uh, she led most of the way only to get past late and finish third. She was beaten three and a half lengths, but uh, that race was at seven furlongs, and it was also Bakshis' first start since December uh, the 2nd. So uh, as mentioned earlier, she'll be making her second start of the season and is cutting back a bit to uh, six and a half furlongs, a distance that she's actually one for one at uh, since that start on August 28th, Bakshich has worked four times at four furlong distances. And this winner of uh, 205,000 lifetime looks ready to pop in her second start of the year. So Woodbine, race seven, number eight, Bakshich. Nice name. Next. Yeah. Uh, Keeneland offers a 10 race card today. And I'm going to uh, go right to race 10, which is a maiden special weight for three-year-olds and up. It's a purse of 100,000 uh, at uh, mile and an eighth on the uh, turf. It's a large field of 12 with a few possibilities, but I'm leaning to number seven, Push Button. That's another good name, That's right? a very good name. Yeah, whose first lifetime start in, on September 10th with a, was at a mile on the turf at Kentucky Downs, and it was a pretty decent race where the uh, son of Bodemeister uh, tipped uh, too wide, turning in the stretch and then flattened out, um, uh, ended up fifth, beating only one and three-quarter lengths in the race. Uh, was still a pretty decent debut, and since that race, trainer Mike Maker has worked push button at four furlongs and 47 and four breezing, which was the, this is good, the second best of 60 works at that same distance hmm. uh, on October the 18th. So uh, Mike Maker adds blinkers to push button today, which is a big move for him. 
And Maker is also 18% with Maidens making their second start. And also, there's some pedigree here as Push Button is a brother to the great Authentic, who won the Haskell and Breeders' Cup Classic and earned over $7 million. So this is a brother to Authentic. So Keeneland Race 10, number 7, Push Button. Good horse to be related to. Exactly, yeah. Next. Nice, nice family. Jeez. Okay, Santa Anita has a 9-race card today, and Race 7 is a maiden special weight at six furlongs on the turf, or a purse of $61,000. It's for uh, two-year-old fillies. Uh, number eight, Ragtime Rose, debuted on October 1st at today's distance and surface. And although she was 15 to 1 odds in her racing debut, you could say she outran her odds uh, because she raced super. She broke slowly, which sometimes happens in a horse's first start, but Ragtime Rose didn't quit and made up ground gradually and had to wait a bit for some room on the main turn, but went wide into the stretch and closed well for second, only beaten one and a half lengths. So Ragtime Rose also took a field best 60 buyer speed rating in that race. And uh, trainer Jeff Mullins is 19% with Maidens making their second lifetime start. And with any f uh, type of better form or better start, I should say today, Ragtime Rose should be right there. Uh, by the way, Ragtime Rose was purchased for $525,000 at an April two-year-old sale. So someone saw some talent in this filly. Jeez, so, uh, yeah. She's a daughter of Union Rag. She's well-bred. So Santa Anita, race seven, number eight, Ragtime Rose. Outstanding. And finally? Finally, Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 13-race card, including several Breeders' Cup eliminations for next week's uh, finals. Uh, race 13, though, is... Uh, one, a one-mile pace for none winners of $6,700 or last five starts or none winners of 12000 their last 10. This is an example of taking some information from a previous race and then using it to your advantage today. Number 10, Rock Me, Roll Me, is the horse in question. And if this horse sounds familiar, he should. As this was the horse that friend of the show James McDonald selected in last Saturday's 11th race. Oh, yeah. And that, this horse was his choice over three others, if you recall. So uh, last week, Rock Me, Roll Me was sent out on a front-end mission with some wicked fractions. And although he faded to six, he was only beaten a uh, length. It's like it was a, basically a blanket finish with wow. six horses. And uh, you know, he was only a length and a, sorry, length and a quarter behind the eventual winner. But still, uh, that, that was a pretty decent race considering the wicked fractions that this horse went. Um, Tonight, uh, he doesn't get any post-position break. He's got the 10-hole, but at first glance, there doesn't look to be as much speed in the race compared to last week. Again, James McDonald, a friend of the show, chose Rock Me, Roll Me over two others in this race tonight, so he must feel confident in this drive. Uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, race 13, number 10, Rock Me, Roll Me. I love it. Thanks, Larry. Again, uh, thanks to our buddy, uh, Mark of the Fans of Horse Racing, as always, thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and there'll be a new one launched next week, email Larry Simpson at the, 20s, or the Ponies 24-7 Experience at gmail.com. That's the Ponies 24-7 Experience at gmail.com. Don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign. Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more info on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies, and donate to the cause. Stick around 105.9 the region all weekend long. The legend Ann Romer is up next with the feed, York Region's only magazine show. I'll be back here Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the races. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson, has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.